Father, we're so grateful for that truth. God, that no weapon formed against us can prosper. God, that there is no fear that is too big for your love. There's no enemy that can stand against us when we're standing in your love. God, I'm grateful that your love conquered the grave. I'm grateful that your love made a way. And God, I'm grateful that your love is here in this place, seeking people out, chasing them down, and inviting them in. And so God, we gather today under the one mighty name of Jesus, the name that at one day every knee will bow and tongue will confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that he is king to the glory of God the Father. And Jesus, as we open up your word, we just pray that you would open your mouth, that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to believe this morning. And God, let us leave today changed. Let us leave today in confidence. Let us leave today standing in your love like we've never stood in it before. And I pray this in the mighty and the powerful and the matchless name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, give him one more shout of praise today. Come on, come on, somebody. Y'all can go ahead and grab a seat. Well, man, I am pumped to be here today. If you don't know me, my name is Joey McLaughlin, and you picked a great day to be in church. Today, we kick off a brand new collection of talks called Made For This. I want for you to turn to your neighbor and say, I was made for this. All right, a little bit more confidence and enthusiasm, people, okay? It's like Super Bowl Sunday. I, like, I want for you to imagine that you are in the locker room. It's half down. It's halftime. You are down by three, and you're about to go out there, take on the enemy, push them into the ground, rub their face in the mud, and win the game. Shove them in the shoulder. Say, I was made for this. Some of you spouses love that shoulder shove a little too much, okay? A little too much. Need some counseling in here. I was made for this. For the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at one of the um, most popular topics of conversation within our culture. The word that we're going to look at is a buzzword to say the least. It is one of the most consistent conversations that I have with people from all phases and stages of life. It doesn't matter if you are religious or irreligious, if you are a skeptic or you are a saint. It doesn't matter if you are a Christian or an atheist. This topic of conversation consistently comes up. The conversation is this, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? What in the world am I doing in this world? Why am I here and what am I doing and does my life have any meaning? Am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right place? Do I have the right job with the right people? Am I living out my purpose? This is a question that we get faced with all the time that some of us feel right now. It's a consistent topic of conversation. And if I'm real, I feel like the conversation starts way too young, right? Like we're asking kids like in sixth grade, what do you wanna do with the rest of your life? I didn't know anything about life when I was 13, much less what I wanted to do, right? Man, at 13, we're faced with this question of what is your purpose and why are you here and what are you meant for? And it continues to be this continual topic of conversation to the point that there's some of you who aren't 13, but you're 73 and you're still asking the question, what's my purpose? What in the world am I doing in this world? And it's really important to know your purpose. It's extremely important to know your purpose. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, then you're very likely to misuse that thing. If you don't know how something works, then you will use it the wrong way. Not knowing something's design leads to destruction. It just does. It's, it's a lot like when I was in the ninth grade, okay? 
So I was in the ninth grade and I was, uh, I was playing JV basketball, AKA the glory days, okay? Um, I may or may not have been team captain. Not pertinent to this story at all, just wanted to tell you. And so um, practice was over and a group of friends and I, we went over to one of our teammates' house where um, we were all gonna get showered because we were gonna Hawks game that night, right? And um, being that I was the team captain and that none of them were, just wanted to mention it again, I decided um, I would get in the shower first, right? And so I go and I hop in the shower and um, I need to tell you that this friend's house, his, sh- his house like wasn't a normal house. His house was massive. It was like a mansion, okay? Um, like his bathroom was the size of my bedroom. That's what we're talking about, all right? Um, and I don't know if y'all, like some of y'all know, we talked about this before, like I grew up broke and poor, you know? Like both of them, um, like I've said it before, but we, my family, we went to KFC to lick other people's fingers, okay? That's, that's how poor we were. And so I'm like at this dude's house and I'm like, what in the world? And so I go into the bathroom, it's bigger than my bedroom and the shower's just amazing. It's like one of those showers where like water's hitting you from every single direction, right? I'm like dodging it like lasers at a bank, right? It's just amazing in the shower. And um, then I see this instrument inside of the shower, an instrument I had never seen before. I see a loofah, okay? So I make my way towards this loofah. This is how far I have to walk to get to the loofah because the shower was so big. And so I pick it up and I'm like, man, I've always wanted to use it. And it's one of those like fancy loofahs, you know what I'm saying? Like it's got like a curvature and it's like a long stick for the perfect like position to do, you know, work on your back. Like it's just this loofah. And so I pick it up and I just start going to town. Rubber ducky, you're the one. Mm, mm. You're picturing your pastor in the shower. You make bath time, lots of fun. Mm. Mm. Rubber ducky, I'm awfully fond of you. Right, so I finish my shower and um, I walk out into the bathroom and I, you know, put my shorts on and then I walk out into the bedroom where all of my friends are. And I gotta tell you, the whole time that I was using the loofah, something didn't feel right, okay? Something felt just like a little bit off. It wasn't the experience I had anticipated it being. And so as soon as I walk out into my friend's bedroom, I just got my shorts on and they're, um, they, they look at my back and they're like, bro, what happened to your back? They're like, there are red marks everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, bro. Your loofah's like really itchy and scratchy. And so he walks into the bathroom and he grabs this thing and he comes out and he goes, this is because this isn't a loofah. This is a toilet bowl brush. (laughs) And it was on my back and it was on my face and it was some other places. And that's why I go to the dermatologist every day to this day. You know, there's, um, there's a lot of destruction in not knowing something's designed. If you don't know the purpose of something, you're likely to misuse that thing. And I'm here to tell you this morning that if you don't know the purpose of your life, you are very likely to misuse your life. Your life has such a distinct and unique purpose. And if you don't know what your purpose is, then you are going to find your way fumbling through life, searching for significance, mustering up everything that you can to try to find meaning, and you're gonna end up using life in a way that it was never intended to be used. And I want you to know you only get one shot at this thing called life. There's there's only like one chance that we get for this beautiful, gorgeous, wild adventure that's called life. One opportunity to seize everything that you've ever wanted. I'm preaching an Eminem song right now. 
That's what we get with this thing called life. And so do you know why you're here? Do you know what your purpose is? If you don't know the purpose of a thing, then you're very likely to misuse that thing. And so many of us who don't know our purpose, we end up going through life and life ends up being just one gigantic experiment. We go from job to job and hobby to hobby and relationship to relationship. Just trying to find out what our purpose is. Just trying to find out where we can find significance. It's just an experiment. We're just trying, we're just looking, we're just searching for where we belong, for where we fit in and for what we were created for. It just ends up being this big, gigantic experiment. And then what happens along the way is after we've experimented and we've looked and we've tried to find our purpose under every job and every relationship and every move and every new hobby and can't find it, we just end up going on autopilot. We end up living by default, going through the motions, residing to not living, but just existing. That's where some of you guys find yourself today. You don't know your why, you don't know your what, you don't know your purpose. And today, my hope, my heartbeat is that you would learn that you were created on purpose and that you were created for a purpose and that you were created with purpose. When you know your purpose, it reframes your whole world. When you know your purpose, it reframes your whole world. It changes how you see yourself and how you see others and how you see your time and how you see pain and difficulty. Purpose is powerful, man. Purpose is so powerful. You can never underestimate the power of purpose. It's so unbelievably powerful. There's this um, story in the Old Testament of this guy named Nehemiah, okay? And um, Nehemiah is this crazy, crazy story that happens in the Old Testament. And um, what happens is Nehemiah lives in this city and the, the city walls get torn down. And Nehemiah makes the decision that he's going to rebuild the walls. He feels that his purpose from God is to rebuild the walls. And so what does he do? He gets a ladder and he goes up on top of the wall and he starts to build the walls, and then these two enemies of the Lord come and they start hurling insults at Nehemiah, like, mm, it's not gonna make a difference. You're never gonna get done. It's, it's not, it's not, you're not gonna be able to, you're not strong enough. You're not big enough. You don't have enough time. Like they're just talking trash to Nehemiah. And what does Nehemiah say? He says, I've got a great work to do and I can't come down. I've got a great work to do and I can't come down. Haters gonna hate, I'm throwing my shades on. I don't care what you say because I've got a purpose to walk in. You can say whatever you want, but I'm listening to what God has said and his call in my life is way bigger than what anybody else thinks about me. There's such power in purpose. It allows you to persevere through pain. It allows you to deal with difficulty. It allows you to diffuse distractions because you know why you're here and what you're doing and what you're supposed to be spending your days on. But when you don't know your purpose, you're just easily distracted, you're easily influenced, you're looking for somebody else to validate you and to affirm you and to tell you that you're good and to tell you that you're enough and to tell you that you're beautiful and to tell you that you got it. When you don't know your purpose, you're crippled by comparison. You're wanting everybody else to validate you because you don't even know why you're here or what you're for or what your life is supposed to be about. And then this crazy thing happens where we don't know how this thing called life works and so then what we do is we look to other things to tell us what our thing is, right? We look to each other. We start looking to people to try to find our purpose. And we go, oh, can you tell me what I'm good at? Can you tell me what I'm awesome at? What do you think I should do? How do you think I should wear my hair? How do you think I should dress? What do you think I should do for my job? Where should I go to college? Do you have an opinion? And we start looking for things to try to tell us how this thing called life is supposed to work. And how crazy is that? Like you would never do that with a thing, right? You would never go to this thing right here that 98% of you have no idea how it works, right? Is this bad if I touch this? Is this bad in the back? All right, cool. I don't know how it works. And I would never go to this thing and be like, yo, how you work? 
I wouldn't ask the thing to tell me how the thing works, right? That would be ridiculous. Unless maybe it's Alexa. Then I would ask Alexa, hey, Alexa, how do you work? I would go to the creator of the thing. I would go to the person who made the thing. And I would go, hey, how does this thing work? Or I would at least go to the user manual. And I would go, what is the design? What is the purpose? How does this thing work? And so that's what we're going to do today is we are going to spend the rest of our time trying to look at our purpose so that we can get confidence, so that we can walk with confidence. How many of you would love to be confident today? I know you would. You can't put a price on confidence to know that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, to know that you don't care what other people think about you. Like how much would you pay for confidence? How much would you Venmo me right now for some confidence? You'd be all about it to just know it doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter people's perception of me. It doesn't matter what the doubters say. It doesn't matter if I fit in. I'm just confidently walking in my purpose. That's what purpose brings is purpose brings confidence. And we get that confidence when we don't look to the thing, but we look to our creator. Our creator gives us the confidence in our purpose that we need to live out this thing called life. Mark Twain said this beautiful thing. He said the two most important days in a person's life are the day that they're born the day that they discover why. My prayer today is that you would discover why. Do you know why you're here? Do you know what you're purposed for? Do you know what you were created for? Do you know what you were made for? My hope is that you discover it today. Colossians chapter one, we're gonna pick it up in verse 15. This is what the creator says your purpose is. He is the image of the invisible God. Now he is Jesus. And we're gonna have to do a little Bible study lesson here, all right? Now the image of the invisible God. So what you gotta know about God is that God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are spirit. Neither of them have bodies. They are formless, okay? You're never gonna see them physically. And so Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the invisible made visible. He is God in the flesh, God in form. God in a skin suit, God come into man. That's what Jesus is, okay? He's everything that we need to see and know. Everything that God wants to say to us is wrapped up in the person of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. This is extremely important. And he's the firstborn of all creation. Now, this part doesn't read well for English ears because when you see firstborn of all creation, you begin to think that Jesus was born. And although he was born 2,000 years ago, he preexisted his birth because he's God. And so he was never born. He's uncreated in the created order. But this word firstborn of all creation, what it's communicating is it's using language that would be used in a monarchy. In a monarchy, the firstborn gets all of the rights. They get, they're the heir to the kingdom. They get the power and the authority. They're able to make the decisions. They rule. And so saying Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He's the ruler, the one who's got it all, who stands above creation and speaks with authority over it. And the creator says, for by him being Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. And so what that's saying is everything's created by Jesus. Things that you can see and can't see, things that you can touch and can't touch, your thoughts and your hopes and your dreams, mountains, stars, and galaxies, everything that is was created by Jesus. Now this is the part that you can't miss. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You are not 
your purpose. Your purpose is not about your job. Your purpose is not about your kids. Your purpose is not about your career. Your purpose is not being a mom. Your purpose is not making a lot of money. Your purpose is all about him. You and I, you want to know what you were made for? You want to know what you were created for? You were created for him, made for him, made for Jesus, made for God. That's your purpose. That's what you were made for. I know it's mind-blowing because you think your purpose is something that you do, but your purpose is actually who you are. And who you are is somebody that was made for the great God of the universe. Our purpose in life is all about Jesus. And you will never be able to find your purpose disconnected from the person of Jesus. You never will. Your purpose in marriage is to show the world what Jesus is like. Your purpose in being a parent and having a family is to show the world what the family of God is like. Your purpose in having a career is to show the world that a calling is so much better. Your purpose is to show people the greatness of Jesus. You and I were made for him. This is what we were made for. We were made for God. We were made for him. And I know that this is so counterintuitive. This is so different than what we think we are naturally made for, created for. But you and I were made for God. And I, I want to give you this phrase. I want to give you this phrase. And this phrase is going to guide kind of the rest of our time together this morning. Check it out. It's, it's this. It's you were created by God. You were created for God. In love, for love, on purpose. We were created by God. We were created for God, we were created in love, we were created for love, and we were created on purpose. This is like a declaration, a declaration that I read to myself oftentimes in the morning, something that I remind myself of that reframes my mind and sets the course for my day. I was created by God, I was created for God, I was created in love, I'm created for love, and I'm created on purpose. And knowing that, believing that, allowing that to sink into your soul, what it does is it pushes out all the other voices. It eliminates all the other distractions that are screaming to you about how you should spend your days, that are fighting for your attention, that are telling you you need to live in a certain direction. No, 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 I was created by God, not this world. I was created for God and no one else. I was created in love. God loved me and so he created me. I was created for love. I'm worthy and deserving of it. And I was created on purpose. I'm not an accident. And when I know that, when I believe that, it sets the course for my days and it gives me confidence to carry my calling out. You know, there are um, so much pressure around purpose today. There's so much pressure around purpose. In the day and age that we live in where there are so many startups and so many movements and so many overnight celebrities and sensations that seem to change the world, so many people who are young and seem to have figured out their niche, figured out their thing that they can do so well, and I don't know about you, but it frustrates me. Like, I get really mad at old Mark Zuckerberger. I'm like, I ain't never gonna be a billionaire by 30 because I've already missed the cut. Like, I just get so frustrated. Like, how did you, you so clearly feel like you got your purpose? Or like, Kylie Jenner, are you kidding me? Her lip gloss is popping and she's a billionaire? I just want you to know, ain't nobody interested in the I love Jesus lip gloss line. It ain't coming for me. 
and nobody's signing up for pastor book. It's not gonna happen. And so I'm looking at these people who are overnight celebrities, overnight sensations, and I'm like, have I missed it? Do you, ever, do you feel like that? Like, did I miss my purpose? Is it already too late for me? Am I already looking back in the rearview mirror of my life wishing that I would have been and done and lived out something else? Man, doesn't that start to creep in and cripple you that by this age, I should have had this job. By this age, I should have made this impact. By this age, I should have written this book. By this age, I should have started this company. By this age, I should have made this much money. By this age, I should have had this many kids. By this age, and we start to put all of these limitations and uh, parameters around what we believe God's purpose for us should be. And what it does is it actually collapses our purpose. It, 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 uh, It makes our purpose way smaller than God would ever want it to be. And when we stop comparing, when we stop getting our eyes on what other people are saying and we get our eyes on Jesus and who he has called us to be, we're able to live out our purpose. There tends to be, you know, two camps today when it comes to purpose. There are people who are overly preoccupied with purpose. They're so obsessed with purpose that I would say that they're almost addicted to purpose in a bad way. I'm gonna call these people the Enneagram idolaters, These are the people who are always looking for some personality to test to tell them their purpose. They're allowing some test to put them in a box to define who they are, to box them in. They're always searching. They're always looking for the next fad and the next book and the next inventory to explain who they are supposed to be. They're allowing an inventory to inform their identity. And then that's one side of the spectrum. And I'm just here to tell those people today that I want for you to know that a test can never tell you, who you what, what your creator can. A test can never tell you what your creator can. You are bigger than an assessment. And then there's this other group of people who feel like I don't even have a purpose. Like I don't even care about purpose. I don't even know why I'm here or if I'm here, right? Is this like a psychedelic experience? Are we tripping on mushrooms? Like what's going on? Right, there's this kind of opposite end of the spectrum where it's like, I don't, I don't purpose. I don't even know if that's a thing. I'm just kind of passing through. I'm just like, you know, moseying my way through life like Gumby, right? Like, I'm just here. Y'all weren't ready for that Gumby reference, were you? <laughs> and I want for you to know that, like, your purpose is so much bigger than you could begin to imagine and that there is no doubt that you have a purpose. Don't let the truest thing, be about, the truest thing about you be a test. Don't let a report rule your life. Blaming your insecurities on a personality inventory isn't gonna create any confidence. Don't try to look within or don't try to look outside. Look to your creator to tell you what you were created for. We're gonna do it in Genesis chapter one, verse 26. One of the earliest purpose statements that we see in the Bible, it says this, then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. This is theology class part two. Y'all gonna learn some stuff today, okay? So um, image of God, in, the, in Latin, it would be imago Dei, okay? Imago Dei, image of God. And it's this truth, this teaching from the Bible that you and I were created in God's image. We were created to look like him and be like him and interact like him, that we were created to have his character and his qualities and to image those qualities to the rest of the world, that we were created in the image of God. And so that comes with natural worth, with natural value, with natural and innate character because we were created in the image of our creator. This is the beauty of being made in the image of God. 
Now, here's the other part. Let us make man in our own image. Let's go back to that part. Let us make man in our own image after our likeness. Now, this is what you gotta know about the Christian faith, okay? Is that the Christian faith is a Trinitarian religion. We worship a triune God. So if you have any theology or any philosophy, then maybe you study different religions and you know that certain religions are monotheistic. They worship one God and other religions are polytheistic. They worship many gods. We are a Trinitarian religion. We worship one God who eternally exists as three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, but all three are one deity. Does your mind hurt yet? It should. Um, the famous uh, theologian, Augustine, he said this. He said, if you try to understand the Trinity, you'll lose your mind. But if you try to deny the Trinity, you'll lose your soul. And the reason that you'll lose your soul is because you've got to understand the beauty of what it means for us to be created in community. I want for you to go on this journey with me for a second. So God says, let us make man in our own image. So before there was ocean or stars or um, Instagram or Facebook or blow dryers, there was a God, okay? And in that moment, there was God. There was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they were in this perfect friendship, this perfect relationship where there was perfect honor and perfect um, harmony and perfect love and perfect glory together. And they're in this relationship. And it's so good. It's so amazing that they look at each other and they're like, we got to create somebody to experience some of us, right? We want to allow others to get in on how good we are. And so out of God, out of his godness creates you and I, and he creates us to be like him and in relationship with him. He makes a very strategic, very calculated decision. He goes, we're hanging out. Let us make man in our own image. If you look at the created order, it's like there are oceans and there are stars and there are trees and there are animals and there are plants. There are all these things. And then God gets to us and he makes this very calculated, very intentional, very purposeful decision to go, let us make man. Let's craft them and mold them in our own image. Which means you are not an accident. You are an on purpose. God carefully curated you. He picked the parts of you, knows the hairs on your head knit you together in your mother's womb, numbered out the days of your life before you ever lived a single one of them. They very intentionally crafted every part of their creation. And when he got to you, he goes, man, I'm going all in. I'm gonna make him look like me. I'm gonna make him live like me. I'm gonna make them to be in relationship with me. And I want you to know that way too many of you have this attitude of accident you feel like you're an accident, like your life is informed by, I'm just an accident. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm for. I was just an accident. And maybe that's your story. Maybe your parents, kid out of wedlock, mom, dad abandoned you, left you. Nobody wanted you. And so you just feel like an accident and you can't have a purpose because you're not even supposed to be here. Listen, that's part of my story, okay? My family, all right, I've got Bobby, Joey, Cody. My dad has a visectomy. Then Jessica's born. You think she feels like an accident? Hello. But I want for you to know there may be accidental parents, but there are no accidental kids. Every single person who is here, God wanted them here. They're on purpose for a purpose, and they've got purpose, man. It wasn't like, it, it, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't like God was up in heavens, and he took some clouds, and then he took a monkey, and then somehow they wound up together, and boom, there's you, Okay. It's not, it, it wasn't an Urkel situation. He didn't look at you and go, did I do that? That's not what God did. 
He made you on purpose, wanted you here, right where you are, right now, at this place in time. You're not supposed to be anywhere else. The book of Acts says that God has determined the boundaries of our habitation, that he's determined the length of our life. So you live where you live, you have what you have, you're right here where you are, because God wants you here. I promise God didn't wake up this morning and go, what are you doing here, bro? You're 30 years early. God thought that about none of you. He has placed you right here for this time for a purpose. And when you know that, when you see that, it changes everything. And I don't want you to miss this part today because this part is so unbelievably significant. God created you on purpose, not because he needs you here, but because he wants you here. God created you on purpose, not because he needs you here, but because he wants you here. One of the biggest misconceptions and distortions in the purpose conversation happens when we start to make purpose about what we do. What am I supposed to do with my life? What am I, where am I supposed to go to college? Who am I supposed to marry? What am I supposed to do for a job? Have you f- ever found it interesting that all of our purpose language centers around doing, but God made human beings? We were made to be with God. Before we were ever made to work for God, we were made to be with him. And as Christians, we've gotta change the scorecard. We've gotta stop making purpose about what we do and start making purpose about who God's made us and where God's placed us. There's this phrase that John Piper uses, and I think it's so good. He says, missions exists because worship doesn't. We do stuff for God because people don't know that they can be with God. Your purpose is to be with him. First and foremost, Jesus in John 17, verse three says this. He says, this is eternal life. This is what life is all about. This is the purpose of life, the goal of life. This is what God made life for, that they know you, God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. You were made to know him. You were made to know God. You were made to be with God. You were made to be in his presence. You were made to walk with him and work with him and know his ways. You weren't made to do stuff for him. You were made to know him. One of my favorite um, stories in the Old Testament is the story of a guy named Enoch. How many of you are familiar with Enoch? There's a very small part of the Bible that's written about Enoch, and it's so intriguing. We don't know a lot about his background or what he was here for or what he was doing or how he spent his days. But we know this one kind of snapshot of Enoch's life in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24. It says, Enoch walked faithfully with God. His purpose was to be with God, to walk with God, to work with God, to spend time with God in his presence. That's what he was here for, was to be with him, not do stuff for him. Then he was no more because God took him away. We, we know literally historically from the Bible that Enoch walked with God. He had a life where he knew God and loved God and obeyed God and spent time in God's presence and got to know who God is and what God's like and what God's been up to. He was just with God. He enjoyed his goodness. And then one day God was just like, all right, no more. Brought him straight home to heaven, never died. Oh, I love the way that one theologian talks about it. He's like, it's as if Enoch and Jesus were so close that one day they went out on a walk together. And at the end of the walk, Jesus said, hey, do you just wanna come back to my house tonight? You just wanna come home where you belong? Because this is eternal life, just walking with me and knowing me. 
and being in my presence? And what would happen if you and I begun to understand that that is exactly what we were created for? We were created to walk with God, to walk with him. You know, I've been uh, watching a lot of movies recently, a lot of Disney movies. I'm in that uh, stage of dadhood. Anybody else with me? Hello? Um, And so we've been watching Disney movies left and right. And one of the Disney movies that we've been watching is Lion King. And really interesting, the first movie that I saw in theaters as a kid was The Lion King. And the first movie that I took Raleigh, my daughter, to see in theaters was also The Lion King, the live action one. That's where you all say, aww. You're doing great now. You're catching up. Good job. So we went to see Lion King, right? And it was awesome. It was amazing. And we've been watching it kind of ever since. So much so that the other day, Raleigh was in the car with my wife. And um, my wife is a great mom. And if you judge her, I will break you, okay? But um, she was giving my daughter some Skittles, you know, just one by one, rationing them out for the car ride to survive. And um, so it's just kind of one by one, Skittles back to Rawls, right? And Raleigh eventually says, Mom, are there any more? Can I just have the bag? And um, so Kayla's like, okay, whatever. She hands her the bag and Raleigh gets the bag of Skittles and she goes, oh, there are more. Akuna Matata. <laughs> and then she goes, mom, what's Akuna Matata? So funny. And so we've been watching um, Lion King. And the other day we were watching Lion King and we got to that point in the movie um, where Simba had kind of like gone on this like weird journey and he'd gone off into the desert and he's like Rafiki comes and takes him and he shows him, you know, where he's like, he goes to this pond and he looks at Mufasa's face and it's a reflection and then this big cloud, y'all know what I'm talking about? This big cloud thing comes up and it's very pagan what's happening in the movie, right? Very sorcerous. Um, And so this thing is happening and Mufasa comes up and Mufasa says to Simba, he goes, remember who you are. It's my best Mufasa, okay? And so he starts to tell him, remember who you are. And I'm watching this movie and um, it's so interesting as I'm watching it, I'm sitting there with Raleigh and I like get so emotional. I start like crying. I'm just like weeping and Raleigh's like, daddy, what's wrong? I never want you to forget who you are. And so I'm like hugging her and like holding her and crying. And she's like, can we have a tea party? (laughs) Like as long as you don't forget who you are. And as I thought about that moment, I think about how pertinent it is to this conversation around purpose. You know, Simba in this story was the son of a king and his father Mufasa died. And because he died, Simba started to run from his purpose He started to run from who he was supposed to be, started to run from his destiny to the point that he found himself in this wild life living with Timon and Pumbaa, living in a Kuna Matata kind of life. And can we just be real and say that that's not a real life? There are worries and there are problems and there are struggles and there is pain and that's no way to live. Simba had run from his life because something had happened and his father shows up and he says, I want for you to remember who you are. You're my son. You're meant to be king. And I know what's happened in your past, but it does not hijack your purpose. I I believe that there's some of you in the room this morning where something's happened to you. You lost something. Maybe you lost a kid. Maybe you lost a marriage. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you lost a dream. But I want for you to know you have not lost your purpose. 
And today it's time to remember who you are. For you to remember that you are not what has happened to you. You are who God says you are. You are invited into his presence. You are pulled into his purposes. Today you've got to remember who you are. I want to close out our service today by just trying to help you remember who you are. Remember who God says you are. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Can you remember for a second who you are? Can you remember that before the foundations of the world, before any of this was, before you were ever thought, ever in your mother's womb, that God was thinking about you? And that what he was thinking about was thinking about going to whatever means necessary it took to make you and I his sons and daughters. That he wanted to come in love to adopt us to himself so that we could be with him. Do you know what you were created for? You were created for love. Your purpose is just to be loved, to be loved by God. I want for you to think about this for a second, for those of you who have kids. Why did you have kids? My, my wife and I were asking ourselves that question, like, now, well, why do we have kids? Why do we get into this, right? But early on, you know, we didn't have kids for us. We had kids so that we could love them. Well, like we're looking at our life and we're going like, we haven't halfway screwed it up yet. Maybe we should bring somebody else into this mix. It seems to be going pretty good between you and me. I got a good job. We've got kind of a good outlook. We can provide a stable future. And I think that we could really love this kid. And so in love, we have a kid to what? To love this kid, for this kid to be with us. I want you to know, I was never thinking about what Riley could do for me. Never, never crossed my mind. I never thought that maybe I'd have this daughter who would become a doctor, who would go to med school, who would find the cure for cancer, and then who would put me up in some swanky retirement home. It's never on my mind. Never thought about having some athlete who'd go to the NBA and pay my salary. I was never thinking about what the kid could do for me. I was always thinking about what I could do for my kid. My purpose for my kids was just to love them. Just to love them. And it remains true to this day. Riley and I last night went on our first daddy-daughter date at three years old. And I've got pictures to make you cry. Check it out. <laughs> this is us all dressed up, suit and tie. Got her an amazing dress and went to Dunkin' Donuts. She got the one with sprinkles, of course. And I got her gifts. I got her this one because it's a moon with a heart on it. Because whenever I ask her, hey, how much does daddy love you? She says, to the moon and back. And I got her a corsage because I wanted her to know that she's my princess, that she's mine, that I love her. And I got her this because, duh. <laughs> and then we smiled and we took pictures and we went to Chick-fil-A and 
We saw this weird picture of her eating. This is her face when she eats. I don't know what that's about. But man, I love it. And I did everything that I did last night. The purpose of that date with her last night was not so that she could do anything for me, but so that she could know how much I loved her. And do you understand that that's your purpose? You want to know what you were made for, created for, so that you can know how much God loves you. So that you could be reminded today that you are his son and his daughter and that he doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. He wants you to know his love. He wants you to know that he's not giving up on you. He wants you to know that he wants you to be with him and walk with him and work with him and know his love. And there are some girls in the room who didn't have dads that showed them this. And I want for you to know that your father's inviting you to be a daughter and just for your purpose to be loved. There are some dudes in the room, some fellas, who've been so trying so hard to find a purpose, find a profession to make a difference. I want you to know you got a dad who loves you more than you can imagine. And that your purpose is to be a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And when you rest in that purpose, when you walk in that purpose, when you remember who you are, there's confidence that carries you through pain. There is strength to stand in the midst of the storm. You can silence the haters. You can move forward in faith. You can live out the call that God's placed on you. You were created on purpose. You were created with a purpose. And you were created for a purpose. Let's pray. Jesus, I... I know that there's some people in the room who came in feeling like they didn't have a purpose. Father, I just pray that today that they would hear that they do. God, I pray that there were some people who were in here today who were thinking that they were an accident and wondering if it was just time to end the accident that they would hear that it's not because they're not. God, I pray for the people who came in here today having no idea the greatest purpose that you have for them, the greatest thing that you made them for is to be loved by you. If you came in here today and you are new and you never knew that your purpose on this planet was to be loved by the living God of the universe, you didn't know what this whole thing was about, was about you being adopted into a family, then I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to that today. You know, 2,000 years ago, God sent his son so that you and I could become his sons and daughters. He was so unfathomably, ridiculously, illogically in love with you that he could not leave you where you were. And so he sent Jesus Jesus in Mark 10, 45 says, I've not come to serve, but to be served and to give my life as a ransom for many. The purpose of Jesus was to die so that people could become sons and daughters. What an amazing purpose. So he went to Calvary and he was crucified and he bled for your sins and for my sins. And he did it so that we could become sons and daughters. And then he resurrected from the grave so that we could have a new life and a new purpose and a new way to live. And I just wanna give you an invitation to step into the family today, to be adopted into this 
into this family right now in this place, in this moment. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just gonna invite you to repeat after me, pray this prayer. God, I, I want your love. God, I need your love. I know I've sinned. I know I've tried to do life without you, but I know my purpose is only found in you. I wanna be your son. I wanna be your daughter. I wanna be a part of your family. I believe your resurrection raises me to new life. If you prayed that, then we just wanna have a opportunity to mark that moment to declare that you're a part of a new family today and that you've got a new purpose and that purpose is to be loved by the God of the universe. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just as a sign of surrender, as, as a purpose statement, we're gonna ask you to just raise your hand in the air so that we can celebrate with you today. On the count of three, one, two, three. Yeah, amen and amen and amen, amen. And God sees you and he loves you. And let's just celebrate today that some people are stepping into the family of God that they're knowing their purpose. God, I pray that in these next few moments that you would remind us of who we are, that you would remind us of how you see us, and that the truest thing about our purpose would be that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And I pray it in your beautiful name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. I'm gonna invite you to stand as we remember who we are today.